a young man is out on a field trip when he comes across the mystery at the bottom of a river. And then we take a look at a conspiracy theory that's so bizarre, even the people who talk about it don't know what it is. Is it possible there is a group within the U.S. government that is either protecting citizens from demonic UFOs or sucking the souls out of homeless people? It's one or the other. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Garvin, I'm having a great day. Hope you guys are having a great day too. We got a ton of stuff to cover, so let's go ahead and get started by introducing our newest Patreon supporter coming into Dead Rabbit Command right now. It's Merrick Williams. Everyone give a round of applause. Everyone give a salute to gold Merrick. Good Merrick has been a longtime listener of the show. Thank you so much for joining the Patreon. It really means a lot. If you guys can't support the Patreon, I totally get it. Just help spread the word about the show. Talk about it online. Talk about it to your friends. Put up flyers around town. I've been doing that a lot. Really, really helps. Ask yourself today, what did you do to support Dead Rabbit Radio? Merrick, we're going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Dead Rabbit Dirgible. We're going to leave behind Dead Rabbit Command. We are headed on out to Durham in Northeast England. Merrick is perfectly piloting this Dead Rabbit Dirgible out to Durham. I found this story online the other day. It was written by a guy named Snoogoats5448. So thank you so much, Snoogoats. We're going to call you Robert for the rest of this episode. So thanks, Robert. This story takes place apparently between 2016 and 2017. So fairly recent as far as paranormal stories go. As my as my eyes shift from side to side. Let me just tell the story. Apparently in England, parts of Ireland, Wales, they have a thing called the General Certificate of Secondary Education. And it's a bunch of tests that teenagers take and then it helps them do school stuff. I I, I kind of I was kind of researching it, but I realized I realized I was like I'm spinning I was gonna look up the history of this. Like Lord Montembottom came up with this series of tests in the 18th. I, I got others I got ghosts to read about, but I needed to know a little bit about it. It's a series of tests. But anyway, so Robert is taking his GCSEs. And one of them is a geography one. And they're doing this field work studying rivers. So his teacher's driving him around, and they're stopping at all these little rivers in Durham. They go to three different sites this day. And on the final site, they all get out, stretching their legs. Oh, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> it's not a PE class. They're also, it's a pop quiz. Do your stretches. They're like, ah, they're stretching. You know, you've been in a car for a long time. And he's walking, and he sees they're headed towards this other river. Because they've been studying rivers this day. And he said this one seemed more obscure than the rest of them. He said there was, like, a overhang. So, like, the, the bank would kind of go up. And then there were like gnarled tree roots coming off the bank. And then you'd have to jump down to get to this little river. And he gets there and they're walking around. Now, his particular job, he's doing this thing. He's studying bedload, which is when I had, <laughs> I had to look this up, too, because he's just throwing these turns off. Bedload is you study the stuff that floats along the bottom of the river. So like little rocks that are too light to just kind of go uh, and sit there. The ones that are getting pushed around by the water. He's there to study that. So he jumps into the water. <laughs> Wee! He cannonballs in all his research. All the rocks go flying in every direction. The teacher's like, ah! 
He's in the water. He goes, and he didn't really like this assignment because you know, everyone else is outside, like, picking daisies. It's a nice summer day. The teacher's like, it's your assignment to sleep in the shade. The kids are like, aw. He's in the river now. He's up to waist-deep water, and he's reaching in and pulling out rocks that the water is pushing around. So, yeah, I mean, that's a cool assignment when it's, like, 100 degrees outside, but it's never 100 degrees in England. I'm sure it was freezing. He's in there. He's in the water. He's picking up rocks measuring the bed load and he feels like a big jagged rock down there he feels something that's real heavy and it's see it just doesn't feel right it's definitely not i think the bed load <laughs> we don't care exactly what the bed load is but i think the bed load is when the rocks move down the river so he's like uh oh this is this isn't part of my homework this one's too heavy he feels this thing and it's like this giant jagged rock and he is like oh I'm gonna try to move this see what see see what see if I can pick it up I'm a 15 year old boy I'm gonna see how strong I am he starts to move actually I don't know if it's a boy I don't know if it's a boy at all but anyways they don't give the gender of the author who wrote this but anyways we're gonna keep saying it's Robert he's moving this rock and he realizes that it's not a jagged rock, it's a bunch of bricks. Which, unless unless the little pig's house was down the river and the big bad wolf bought some dynamite, that wouldn't make sense. Why are these bricks in the river? And Robert realizes these aren't just bricks. These are bricks inside of a sleeping bag. And he's pulling this sleeping bag towards shore. He wants to see what's in it. Because here's the thing. He knows that sleeping bags don't normally have bricks in them. He knows that these bricks would have been brought from another location because there's no bricks around here. And someone purposely is weighing this sleeping bag down. And so he's pulling it towards the shore. And he's like, hey, pip pip, teacher, pip pip. I'm going to open up this this sleeping bag full of bricks. (laughs) I found this sleeping bag at the bottom of this river. And he goes, when I pulled it, the water instantly got muddy. So it was like it must have had a ton of sediment on it. It must have been there for a while. And he's pulling the sleeping bag to shore. And he goes, hey, I'm going to open this up. I'm going to open this up. It's been weighed down by bricks. There, obviously, someone did not want us to know what was in the sleeping bag. I'm going to open it up. And before Robert can open it up, the teacher starts yelling at him. If you open up that sleeping bag, Robert, I'm going to suspend you. I'm going to suspend you from... I order you right now. Come on, governor. How about if I just take a peep? How about I just put my peepers in here, gov? And the teacher's like, why did you become cockney all of a sudden? The teacher goes, no, if you open... Don't. Don't open it. Like, I'm telling you right now. Leave it where it is. Do not open that sleeping bag. And Robert had pulled this sleep... It took him like 10 minutes to move this thing. It's a very, very heavy sleeping bag. And he's looking at the sleeping bag. He's looking at the teach. Looking at the sleeping bag. Looking at the teach. Drops the sleeping bag back into the water. The mystery has haunted Robert to this very day. Posting about this online. There's a subreddit called Non-Murder Mysteries, which is a really cool one because they have stuff like this. You're like, Jason, wait, 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 what's that stuff? Is that the story? Is that the story? You tell two stories in an episode? And the story's about a man who found a sleeping bag and didn't look in it? What? But that's the mystery. That's the mystery. He's actually now... 
he's talking about, he goes, I've thought about this location. I've thought about this story for years. It's been, what, four or five years since this happened. I'm thinking about this story, like, I want to go back, but I don't even know where it was. It was like, I was a teenager, I was barely paying attention. I was playing my Game Boy or Game Gear or whatever they had back then in 2016. His phone, most likely just his cell phone. Wasn't paying attention. And he goes, I've thought about contacting the teacher to see if they could tell me where it was at, if they even remember that story. But yeah, that's the mystery. And the reason why I wanted to talk about it, one, because here's the thing. You automatically suspect that there's a body in there, right? Like, that's your first go-to thing. There must have been a body in there. So why wouldn't you want to find the body? Some people think that the teacher murdered a student there, and da 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 da, da which could be, and gets a sick thrill out of bringing other students there to be like, go in the water, go in the water of my least favorite student, and walk around the scene back. No, that's that's a theory people are talking about on Reddit. But here's the thing: finding a body is a lot of paperwork. Sure, I could hoist the sleeping bag up and find the body of a young murder victim who's been dead for ten years, and now I got to call the police. We got to stay out of here. To, I got I got a pot roast in the oven. Can't wait out here. I got to call the police. Police are gonna come out. We're gonna get questioned, and we're never gonna be able to find who killed the person, right? This has to be super old. So I can do all that. Or I can just be I could just go to the grave knowing that I possibly left behind a loved one's remains. Like someone is missing their young daughter, and I could have solved that mystery, but I had a pot roast in the oven. And so I can see why people don't report stuff. I could see that the teacher might have been like, it's not worth it. It probably is a collection of bones. It's just not worth it. Just leave it there. It's none of our business. Just leave it there. But it is an interesting mystery, and I wanted to share it with you guys. And maybe if you live in Durham, we got listeners all over the world. Maybe if you live in Durham, maybe you should go look. <laughs> You're like, oh no, my evidence has been discovered. I thought no one would find that body. Drive around, and maybe it's a mystery for you to solve, or maybe you will dispose of the body at another more secure location. Either or. Me, personally, personally, I would have wanted to see what was in the sleeping bag, adult or as a young person. Even today, I'd be like, let's see. But you know, there's that old, I don't know if I'll be able to find it, but there was that old creepypasta going around for a long time that was like, how to dispose of a body because I'm an edgy serial killer. And it was all like black with like white text or something like that. It was just like this real edgy, you guys are probably already remembering it, but it talked about how to dispose of a human body where no one will find it. <laughs> All of a sudden, a bunch of you people are getting pencil and paper. You're like, oh, finally, this podcast will pay off. They say, you after you kill... And it was like, after you kill your meat. Like, it was super edgy. It was like, yeah, yeah, we get it. You don't care about humans, blah, 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 blah. But anyways, this serial, supposed serial killer was saying, after you kill your meat, after you kill somebody, you take them... You put them in a sleeping bag. Put them in a sleeping bag. <laughs> so there's that one. You then take yogurt, not like Froyo. You don't go to like, you know, <laughs> you don't run to your local restaurant. You don't run to Pinkberry. You get like uncultured yogurt or some special type of yogurt that sells all the microbes in it. Or maybe that's all yogurt, not the Froyo though. And you put a. Uh... <laughs> this episode is immediately becoming non safe for work. So if you have to turn it down, <laughs> put in your headphones just for a brief second. You take a funnel and you stick it in the person's butt 
and then you begin to pour the yogurt down. This will take a while, by the way. Don't expect that this is going to be a five-minute disposal technique. Because, like, you know how, well, come on, even with gravity, like, it would take a long time. That would be a pretty big funnel. But it's not like you just put it in and then it goes through the system. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Jason, I don't want to describe. I don't want to know what you mean. I don't want to picture it. Anyways, after a while, you're pouring this yogurt into this person's butthole. And then you put them in the sleeping bag. You're like, Jason, you back. there's ants. You're like, that's weird. Why are there 10 million ants over this grave? You've actually made it more likely to see because there's going to be every piece of wildlife in the area trying to get some of this delicious butt yogurt. You take the body. You're out in the middle of, you're out in the middle of nowhere, too. You don't put this in your backyard. Well, I guess you could because you take the body full of yogurt. You put it in a sleeping bag. And then this is actually pretty smart, right? That stuff, I was like, ah, you know, whatever. But you dig a hole. <laughs> You're like, that's what I've been missing. I've been leaving all my dead out on the street. You dig a hole, you throw the body in the hole, you cover it up with some dirt, then cover it up with some rocks, because a lot of times dogs will dig up bodies because they don't have rocks on top of them. You, f you throw the body in the sleeping bag full of yogurt in the grave. You cover it up with some dirt, you cover it up with some rocks, so it's harder to dig up. Then you cover it up with more dirt... And dogs, wild animals are still going to be trying to get in there. Even though there's rocks that will prevent them, they'll still be trying to dig. So it's very interesting. You take a little cross or the religion. You can do you can do a Star of David if you want. The symbol of whatever religion you want to use. I'm not going to assume that your dog is any certain religion. But for this example, you put a cross in the dirt. And then you put a little dog collar on it. You leave it out in the middle of nowhere. And so if people are camping and their dogs go running off and they start digging in a plot of land and they're like, oh man, yogurt, I really, really want some yogurt. You would go that, it would spark some suspicion, right? You're like, why is my dog digging in the middle of the woods? Just like literally just ran off digging in the woods. But if there's a little stick there, a little crosser with a dog collar on it, you go, oh, someone's animal must have died out here and they buried it here. Come on, Rover, come on. <laughs> Come on, come on, Rover. You're not a cannibal, or are you? And you drag your dog away. So that's the idea. You're like, <laughs> what does any of this have to do with yogurt? You could do all of that without putting, without spending three hours shoving yogurt into someone's butthole. Well, I, <laughs> I left that part. I love that part out. The yogurt, because it's like uncultured and full of like bacteria and stuff like that, uh, whatever's in yogurt, helps dissolve the body faster. That's why you use a special type of yogurt. So I don't think you'll play works. I think you have to, I think there is a special type of yogurt. I guess the police, the police, all the federal agencies that listen to this podcast to monitor me are like, let's start monitoring. Let's start checking in everyone who buys tons of uncultured yogurt. They're kicking down the doors of, of Danimals. Anyway, so <laughs> I didn't expect to do that segment. I'll see if I can find the link for it. Because, again, that just kind of came off the top of my head. But, yeah. So, sleeping bags, rivers, butt yogurt, dog collars. It's all connected. It's all connected. Interesting story, nonetheless. Merrick, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Carpenter Copter. We are leaving behind Durham, England. We are headed out to San Francisco, California. <laughs> Merrick Williams is flying that carpenter copter expertly all the way out to San Francisco, California. We're around the year 2011. The man who told this story, Max Crestwood, 
Didn't really say when it took place, but he said he had an iPhone 4S. So that came out in 2011. So we know it had to happen after that. But So anywhere between 2011 and now. Max Crestwood, which is a pseudonym, he was doing an interview on a podcast called Fearmonger. He tells a story. Max Crestwood is at a gym on Van Nuy and Hemlock in San Francisco. He's punching bags. Uh, 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 uh. And I don't know. It doesn't actually say what his routine was. He could have been doing Pilates, but I'm imagining he's punching bags. He is looking there. He oh, man, that sure was that sure was a hard workout doing whatever I was doing. He's doing taxes. He's their accountant. Ugh. He goes to this window and he's looking down on this alleyway outside of the gym. And he sees these homeless people just kind of sitting there. This homeless man and this homeless woman kind of sitting there. And then he sees a black car pull up. And a man gets out of the car and he's wearing all black. Black shoes, black shirt, black attitude. It's, it's, it's Will Smith. It's Agent K or Agent K, whichever one he was. He said he looked like a guy who just came from a funeral. I don't know if he was wearing like a white shirt, but he did have like a black trench coat on and a black uh, jacket. So he could have looked like a man in black or he could have been looking like Johnny Cash. The point is, it wasn't Johnny Cash. It wasn't Will Smith. It was some weirdo pulling up in this nice car into this alleyway. And for whatever reason, Max is still watching this. He, he doesn't immediately turn around and get bored by this scene. He's like, what? No sleeping bags. Boo! This, this story sucks. He sees this man get out of the car dressed very nicely, wearing all black. And he seems to be looking up and down the alleyway to see if anyone's around. And then he notices these two homeless people, and he walks towards them. Max is still watching the scene out the window. He can't hear what they're saying, but he can tell that they're having a conversation with each other. And the man in black, and the man in black reaches into his pocket and pulls out some cash. And he hands it to the homeless man. And the homeless man's very happy about this, and the man in black just walks back to his car, opens his trunk. From Max's angle, he can see what's in the trunk. The trunk is empty except for one thing. A mask. And the man in black pulls the mask out. And it kind of looks at it for a second. And then begins walking back towards the homeless people. And at this point, Max can tell that this is a Guy Fox mask. Remember Anonymous? I think they're still around. But remember that you're like Jason Orr with Guy Fox? Or I might remember the actual historical event of Guy Fox or V for Vendetta. Any of that stuff, the Guy Fox mask is that mask. But he said this one was all white. So I don't know if it had the little mustache or the face, But it just looked odd. And he said it didn't have a string on it either to attach the mask. It was just something you would hold against your face. And he says the man in black is carrying this Guy Fox mask. And he walks up to the homeless person. This conversation's still going on, but he can't hear it. And the man in black holds the mask out to the homeless man. Like, take it. And the homeless man is just standing there and he won't take the mask. They continue to talk, and he sees the man in black take the mask and kind of hold it up to his own. He doesn't put it on, but he holds it up to his own face, and then he holds it back out to the man, like saying, I just want you to put this on your face. Here. He holds it back out to the homeless man. The homeless man and the homeless woman begin to pack up all their stuff as fast as they can. Max said it was probably less than a minute. They had all their stuff packed up, and they were hurrying down the alleyway. The man is just standing there holding the Guy Fox mask, and he's alone in the alley now. And Max gets overcome with feelings of fear. He's scared about what he just saw. He doesn't know what it was, but he, he just becomes overwhelmed with feelings of fear. And then he sees the man walk back to his car and open his trunk and put the mask in. And the feeling of fear is now replaced with anger. 
Max has this feeling that this stranger wanted to do evil to this homeless couple. And he runs out of the gym. He runs to the alley. And he sees this man in black walking away. And he begins yelling, Hey! Hey! Trying to get his attention. But the man in black doesn't respond to anything. He just continues walking down the alley. Max begins chasing after him. Man in Black turns a corner. He's now out of the alley. He's now out of Max's field of vision. And when Max turns that same corner, he's gone. He goes back to the car and he looks inside. He says the car has government plates. And the car looked completely clean. He said it, it, the interior, there was nothing in the car. No garbage, no tissue box, no Burger King wrappers, nothing. And then he finishes the story going, I don't really know what happened. He starts throwing out a couple suggestions, but... The final suggestion he settles on is that he thinks it was the Collins elite. The Collins elite. And that they were there to suck the souls out of these homeless people. And you go, what in the world's the Collins elite? And that is a very, very interesting question. Because even the people who talk about Collins elite cannot decide what it is. It's a really, really interesting conspiracy theory. Fairly new, and for whatever reason, it's starting to become more popular. Really, all the information about Collins Elite can be found on podcasts. There's a maybe like five or six podcast episodes about the Collins Elite. And then in 2011, there was a book. This was when the story really broke out. In 2011, there was a book called Finally Vents and the Secret Government Group on Demonic UFOs and the Afterlife. And that's written by Nick Redfern who is a big author for Mysterious Universe. He writes a lot of their articles. But when you listen to these podcasts, I listened to like four or five different episodes the other day. When you listen to these podcasts, and even when Nick Redfern, he recently wrote an article, that's what brought it back to my attention. No one seems to be able to figure out exactly what the Collins elite are. The one thing that we can confirm is that all... And this is, this is, this is a bad place to start... All of these stories can be traced back to one person. Reverend Doctor. Reverend Doctor. <laughs> pick one. Pick one, right? Reverend Doctor Raymond W. Boach. In 2007, he gave an interview with Nick Redfern. And he told this story about the Collins elite. And since then, it has spiraled out of control. But let's go ahead and take a look at the framework of this, of what the Collins elite is supposedly, and then we'll take a look at some of these offshoots, and then we'll see, does this group really exist? Why is it becoming more mainstream all of a sudden? Decades ago, apparently when Blue Book, Project Blue Book ended, when the government officially stopped investigating UFOs, they didn't stop investigating UFOs. That's not a conspiracy theory. We know that to be a fact. But they knew these things were piloted by what's known as non-human entities, or NHEs is the terminology used a lot in this story of the Collins Elite, NHEs. Now, according to this Collins Elite story, we do make contact with these non-human entities. We begin to interact with them. They're giving us tips. They're giving us technology. They're trying to help us along. They're actually, it turns out, they're here to help human society. But a schism starts to break within the darkened halls of the government. And this is all top secret. There are people who start to realize that, wait a second, nothing good is coming out of any of the information they're giving us. In fact, people who interact with these creatures, a lot of them are getting sick. Some of them are even dying. There's no positive energy coming from these things. It's not working. All the information they give us, it seems tainted. Something's wrong. So they begin to think, these aren't aliens, these aren't Flash Gordon's buddies, these aren't these... People from another planet who are coming to save us from ourselves. 
These are demons. These are the same creatures that waged war against God. And now we're talking to them and they're leading us on. I mean, at the very least, they're just going to give us bad medicine, right? They're going to give us stuff. They're going to say, this will cure cancer. We'll take it and it'll wipe out half of humanity. At the very most, they're laying the groundwork to a full-on demonic invasion. So according to the story of the Collins elite, there is a division in the U.S. government. It's, it's a quasi-official group. It did not start off as official. It started off with people kind of getting together after work. They're doing their 9-to-5 shift in the FBI and the CIA and the NSA. And then even other groups, scientists, psychologists, senators. After work, they'd get together and they'd start talking and they'd go, you know about the whole alien thing, right? They're saying this in a bar, super loud, everyone gets quiet. No, they have a secret conversation. You know about this whole alien thing we're having? I think that they're not aliens. I think it's... I think it's something else. And this kind of informal group started with people from all these different agencies talking amongst each other and realizing that something else is going on. It started off with just a few people talking about these things. By the 1980s, you had a few dozen people had joined this group. It wasn't super secretive. People knew that it existed. But it also wasn't official until later... They got a budget. They finally did get a budget, but it's still considered a, quote, official hobby. So now they actually have government money to investigate this, but it's not their official job. No one, no one is the demon UFO guy. They'll still be working to the NSA or the TSA or whatever acronym group they're working for, but they also have this separate group they're a part of that now they have money to look at stuff. Apparently, the Collins group has come into possession of these ancient books on demonology. And they've been able to study, like, the root, like, basically the first encounters that people had with demons. I mean, outside of, like, outside of Cain and Abel. I don't think that guy was writing anything down. But they're able to look at all this ancient stuff, and then they're able to look at modern science. And the theory is, is that it's all connected. All the demonic stuff, demonic possession, incubi, succubi, the war against God, all of this stuff is also connected to crop circles, alien abductions, UFO sightings, the ability to shut off our nuclear sites, the ability to outrun our own fighter jets, all this stuff is connected. So that is the story of Collins Elite in a nutshell, and that's a story that Nick Redfern put out, who actually did the interview back in 2007 with Reverend Dr. Ray. So how in the world do we get from that to the Collins elite is walking around with masks, with Guy Fox masks, trying to suck the souls out of homeless people? Who knows? That's what's so interesting about this conspiracy theory. I looked into this. I found about maybe five or six podcasts about it. Most of them had similar information to what Nick Redfern put out. But then there's little added parts to it. Like the reason why they have the, the name Collins Elite was because they were like hanging out with some Quaker or some Shaker or some uh, Amish dude who made a lot of cheese in Collins. I'm like, what, what does any of this have to do with demons? And Nick Redfern goes, listen, see, I, he, he goes, the myth has started that they have this huge underground bunker and there's thousands of people working for this group. He goes, none of that is true. He goes, the name Collins Elite was just a casual name they picked up. I don't know if he backs the Quaker Shaker Amish story, but it's fascinating that the myth has, it, it was such an underground story. Like the book came out in 2011 
I've heard of this Collins Elite before. I think it was earlier this year I heard about it. And I just kind of go, oh, Demonic UFOs, I covered that already. I didn't really look into it. It wasn't until Nick Redfern wrote an article on Mysterious Universe saying, listen, I'm going to set the record straight. This is the true story. Quit believing all this other stuff when it came back to my attention. Because it is fascinating in a sense of myth-making, right? You can totally see it being real. Because I always talk about, people always talk about the Illuminati, the world's being controlled by one group, and I always say it's not true. There's tons of groups vying for control of the world. I don't deny that there are people trying to control the world, but if you think every event is caused by one person, even the events that stop the other events and would cause a ton of money to be spent and resources and human might... It doesn't make any sense, but it's a nice little bow. You can wrap it up and you can hate this particular group and you don't have to think about it anymore. I understand why that's popular. What it really is, is there's multiple groups vying for power. A lot of them probably have the same name, but different groups. And so it would make sense in the U.S. government that you'd have people who want to contact the ETs. You have people who don't believe they exist and they think it's all a waste of money. You have the people who believe that, oh, maybe some of it exists, but it's probably Chinese or Russian technology. And then you have the people who believe it's satanic. And, you, and, and many more theories we probably... That, that makes sense. I can understand there being all of these breakaway groups in the United States government. So that makes sense. When, it start, when the story started to evolve to these massive underground facilities and thousands and thousands of them, I can understand why Nick Redfern wants to put the kibosh on that, because that doesn't make sense. Now we're getting to Cobra-level technology. And they use these drilling machines, and if they can only get to the core, they'll be able to defeat Satan himself. That all makes sense. When a story like this can only be tied to one person, that makes it a little more suspicious. Dr. Reverend or Reverend Dr. Ray, when it can only be tied to one person, that makes it more makes it more suspicious. Uh, Nick Redfern is a very well-known name in um, paranormal research and stuff like that, so I don't think that he would willingly mislead anyone. And I'm not saying the story's not fake overall. I don't know. And what's funny is the story itself is interesting. The, the guy taking the mask, the guy with the mask, that has nothing to do with the lore of the Collins elite at all. But that's one of the first podcasts that pops up when you research Collins elite. So I don't know why it's in there. And even Max Crestwood doesn't make the argument of why that would be the Collins Elite. He just goes, I was researching this group called Collins Elite, and I don't know, there's nothing in that about the mass trying to steal people's soul. I've heard the idea of the Collins Elite stealing souls from, like, it was another podcast as well. It kind of mentioned that. So it's weird that it's coming to that. But the question we want to look at is, is it real? Is this real at all? We have the one source. We have Nick Redfern's book. We have about five or six podcasts. Is any of this real? This is so fascinating. There is an a interview on KLAS TV. This was on December 20th, 2017. George Knapp, who's a reporter, was interviewing former Nevada Senator Harry Reid, who actually was one of the... He's a huge UFO buff. Huge UFO buff. Senator Harry Reid has always had his name tied to UFOlogy in one way or another. And he was actually one of the senators who was pushing for the Tic Tac video to be steadied. That was the famous video from 2004 with the uh, Nimitz battle cruiser group, if I remember correctly, USS Nimitz. The famous footage of the Tic Tac UFO flying around. He was one of the main voices getting that pushed out, getting that steadied. And so I'm going to read you this quote here from this uh, news report. This is uh, George Knapp is doing his little journalistic narrating thing here. It says, quote, Reed says the study produced voluminous report, the study about the Tic Tac, voluminous reports, but was canceled. 
because of fears within the intelligence community. Fear not only that the story would leak out, but fear based on religious beliefs who felt that UFOs might be satanic. This KLS TV, this is nighttime news. This is some weird access television channel. This was like a nighttime news, like an evening 6 p.m. news show. But fear based on religious beliefs who felt that UFOs might be satanic. Then we cut to George Knapp directly asking a question to uh, Senator Harry Reid. Did you ever hear that? Opposition that maybe this is something evil. And uh, Senator Harry Reid says, yes. I think there's a lot of people. This is really interesting. I think there's a lot of people who don't like it for a number of reasons and religious views of people. It didn't fit what they wanted to spend money on. Unquote. So is he confirming the existence of the Collins elite? That's so fascinating. He really threads the needle. He does admit there, there are some people who don't want to investigate it because of religious purposes. Do they not want to investigate it because of religious purposes? Because in their religion, they're not mentioned in the Bible. It doesn't matter. Why would we waste money on that? Is it something like that? Or is it because he's admitting that there are people who are actively working against any sort of UFO communication because the UFOs are piloted by demons? Is that what he's saying? But he threads that needle. He also goes, some people just think it's a waste of money. Fascinating story. It, it's a, it's, we're, we're kind of, this is one of those conspiracy theories where we're back where we started. We don't know much more. You could have always figured there was a group in America that believed that it, demons were UFOs. We've actually covered stuff like that on this show. And the idea that some of them are in the government would make sense as well. But this quasi-official group that's actually getting funding from the government, because even there are high levels of power who think, well, this might be real. They might really be demons. And if that could, if that's true, if the Collins group is true, which again, it can only be traced back to one person, which is very, very suspicious. But if that is true, then why are people also trying to make the Collins elite the bad guys? And saying they're sucking the souls out of people. Could that be fake news from one of these rival groups? A group that wants to make contact with ETs, that are spreading this false information. But what's so weird about it is the Collins elite story is still so obscure that I was able to find these podcasts talking trash about the Collins elite, which made me want to investigate the Collins elite even more. If they didn't respond to it at all, the story would be even more obscure. So you have the conspiracy about the Collins elite, and then you have the conspiracy about the conspiracy to cover up that conspiracy. Or is there one? The whole thing, it's, it's a fascinating look, and this is one of those stories that even though it came out in 2011, it's a slow burn. Very, very slow burn. It's starting to now kind of bubble up because I came across it, I think I said earlier, earlier in the year and just kind of was like, oh, that's interesting, but is it Dead Rabbit Radio interesting? And now it is Dead Rabbit Radio interesting. The story itself is just kind of a fascinating myth. May or may not exist, but the fact that people are now trying to work against it, it's becoming more and more interesting. They always say it's not the crime, it's the cover-up. It's not whether or not the group exists, it's that people are now trying to solely the name of this group. If there are people who believe that UFOs are demons and those people are in the U.S. government, yeah, that's fine, I guess. But if you are now dedicating people to make them look like they're soul-stealing villains, now the story has become more unusual. Now the story has become unique. Sometimes the best way to fight against the conspiracy you don't like is to just ignore it. Don't amplify it. But now there's one more podcast covering the Collins elite. 
There's one more voice out there talking about this conspiracy theory. And I don't know if it's true or not. But now there's one more voice out there putting this forward. So who knows where this conspiracy will evolve from here. It could be something that keeps growing or it could just continue to be obscure and just kind of drop off the face of the earth. I don't even think this is on an iceberg, honestly. Or it could be the only conspiracy theory we need to pay attention to. These people in the government who have been studying UFOs and non-human entities now for decades are trying to tell us, listen, they're demons. we got to stop studying these because the more we study them, the more power we give them. And they do want to invade and they do want to destroy. They are doing everything they can to subvert us. They are pretending they are our friends and they are trying to harm us. They are trying to destroy the human race if they are right with that supposition. And we have all this new disclosure stuff, all this new UFO stuff coming out. These July 18th, these government deadlines, this big push towards disclosure. If the Collins elite are right, we're running out of time. The aliens are about to make a big move. And whether that is disclosure, whether that is open visitation, who knows? But if the Collins elite are right, when the aliens finally reveal themselves, It'll be too late. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Peace.